Now look, go ahead and pull out your message notes. I'm going to dive right in. Uh, we are in a relationship series. It's entitled Relationship Goals. Now this is a five-week series. Uh, we are actually in week number two, and we're going into the Bible. We're getting the biblical perspective on relationships, and we're talking about what it means to be single. We're talking about dating. We're talking about marriage. And, and today, we're actually going to talk about sex. Uh, it's, I promise it won't get more than PG-13. And, and listen, parents, before you get a little uncomfortable uh, with your teenager or your child in here, uh, I want to I just ask you this. I wonder if you would consider letting them sit in here and hear about sex from a biblical perspective. Can I get an amen? I mean, I, I think we're foolish if we think that young children don't know what it is. Uh, now, there may have been a day when we grew up where you had to watch television or go get a Playboy magazine uh, to see half-dressed women, but how many know now all you got to do is just drive down the road? Uh, all you got to do is watch any television. I mean, Marvel comic shows are, are, are having homosexual relationships and people sleeping together. And I mean, I'm just telling you, sex is pervading our society and so it always baffles me a little bit when parents say, well, I'll just, we'll miss that one. And, and what I have found my experience is the naivety of parents is those are the ones whose kids actually really need it the most. Uh, I think they're exposed to a lot more than we think. Uh, in fact, just about a year and a half ago, uh, we were counseling a family whose nine-year-old daughter was addicted to hardcore pornography. A 10-year-old boy who was struggling with his sexual identity. And so I'm just telling you, nowadays, for us, we need to go to the Bible. And so, look, I promise to keep it PG-13. I'm not into the whole shock and awe, uh, but I do feel like we need to talk about it in a biblical way. And then over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about uh, marriage. We're going to talk about communication. We're going to talk about how to fight fair. How I many know we fight as married couples? So we call it passionate conversations. Let's be uh, church correct, not politically correct. Let's, let's be biblically correct right you know we got these passionate conversations so how do we make sure we're fighting fair and then of course the last week we're going to talk about how to affair proof your marriage and so I, I really hope that you are enjoying it I hope you stay with us throughout this series um, you know I found myself in this series being and feeling very nostalgic uh, it brings a lot of feelings of the past where Phyllis and I were dating and you know it brings up anybody ever have any mixtapes Anybody? All my mature people, do you have any mixtapes? So you older people, uh, you know, it was funny. Carson and I were driving uh, down the road last week, and, and we were talking about it, and he said, Dad, I don't know, what, what is a mixtape? And I said, you don't know what a mixtape is? He said, I said, well, it's a cassette tape, and you record songs on it, and then you play your favorite songs. And then the, the oddest thing happened. He said, Dad, what's a cassette tape? <laughs> I said, what do you mean, what's a cassette tape, Carson? Like, like, that's old people problems, right? You're like, what do you mean a cassette? Like, it's a little square thing, you got two circles. And, and Carson's like, Dad, I'm confused, I'm baffled, no idea what you're talking about. And then I'm trying to explain it, and I realize, okay, look, this is the best way to describe a mixtape for young people. It's like a Spotify playlist of all your love songs. <laughs> but you didn't have to work too hard to record it. You guys remember playing the cassette or recording it right by the radio? You're like waiting for your jam. <laughs> You did the phone call. The radio station said they'll play it. You're like, wait, 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 wait. I'm waiting on my jam. And you're going to hit record. I mean, it was hard work getting a, a, a mixtape with your love songs on it. And I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. That's just old people problems. Uh, 
You know, I, I was thinking about some of the old songs. Anybody know Michael Bolton's? I mean, if you do, you can sing it. If a man loves a woman. Come on, Vanessa, look. She, she goes, sound on the, come on, sing it. Anybody know that? Come on, sing it. Anybody know it? Anybody? They don't really know about that. They don't know nothing about that. Oh, you barely know about that. Now, listen, I also, you know, had a mixtape and was struggling, and then, you know, the radio announcer would, like, mix in another song, and you're frustrated. Oh, but, yeah. But uh, mine was all my life. Come on, sing it. I pray for someone like you. And what? And I thank God that I, that I finally found Now, does anybody know the words? Look, close to me, just like my... Close to me, just like the. Yeah. See, that's the problem. I, I never, never memorized the words. words. I'm just like, man, such a. Father, father, okay, father. Okay. Here's another one. What about? <laughs> Although we've come to the end of the road. That was the R&B rock. Still I can't let go. What? It's un. You see why I brought her out? Look, my performer. Hey, come on for all the white people. Brian Adams. Okay, Brian Adams. Brian Adams, come on, come in. Put on your white voice. That's right. Come on, come on. Come on, Robin Hood. Okay, I'm gonna skip some words. I'm gonna skip some words. Don't tell me it's not worth dying for. Don't tell me it's not worth dying for. Next. No, it's true. Everything I do. Everything, everything I, do. I do. Come on. I do it what? I do Come on. it for you. Throw in some Alicia Keys. I know you got some oh, Alicia got Keys. Oh, uh, throw it in. <laughs> Where's he lie? Some people want it all, but I don't want nothing at all. It's Come on. you, baby. It's got you, baby. Oh, some yeah. people Now, for all the young people, you got to throw in some Bruno Mars. Oh, yeah, Are oh, you done? When I see your no. face, come on, hey, 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 it's not a thing. Come on, young people. I wouldn't change what? Because you're amazing. What? Just the way you are. Woo! Very nice. Come very on. Nice, very nice. Now, listen, I have another one. I don't know if I can get away with it, you know. We'll try. I'm we'll a, see. At least you know. We are in church. Oh! I've been really trying, baby. <laughs> trying to hold back this feeling for so long. How, do, how come y'all know this one? And if you feel what? like I feel, baby, come on. Hey, oh, come on. Ooh. Let's get it whoa, 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 whoa. All right, all right, all right. All right, Vanessa. Oh, you get a little too. I got a little too excited. Got a little too sorry. excited. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Now I want to know how all of y'all know the last song. That's what I want to know. That's right. You, you, come on. She she like it's the mixtape, Pastor. It's the mixtape. You know, it's interesting in all these songs. It's so it's it's so funny that when you look at it, really they're not real. 
You know, you build this whole mentality of something that's, it's fake. It's, it's not real love. It's not really the way God intended it to be. And uh, the problem is people misrepresent themselves all the time. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, even online, if you've ever done any online dating or you've been talking to someone, it's funny how people are not really good at telling who they really are. You know, if you hear something from a woman online and she says, I'm 40-ish, and she types it, what she, what she really means is she's 49 and a half, right, 40-ish, I'm going to get that last little bit. And, you know, if you talk to a guy online, he says, I'm 40-ish, he's 52, and looking for someone who's 25, girls, you need to run. You know what I mean? And so maybe a guy says, look, I'm huggable. I'm huggable, huh? That means that brother is carrying a whole lot of extra pounds. <laughs> that you just got to know he ain't being for real. And, and maybe a girl says, look, I'm romantic. I'm just, I'm just romantic. What she's saying is, look, I look a whole lot better by candlelight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a guy says, look, you know, I'm laid back and I really love my family. Uh, you know, if, if he says that, you've got to watch it. What he's saying is, look, I'm unemployed. I live at home. And I'm really hoping you got a great job. <laughs> Come on. You, you know, if somebody says, look, I'm bubbly and fun. She, the girl says that. She says, look, you just got to know she talks a lot. She never shuts up. <laughs> just just got to know. Maybe, maybe a guy says, look, I'm average looking. And he's typing it in. You just got to know that brother fell from the ugly tree. And he hit every branch on the way down. <laughs> Come on, somebody, the truth will set you free. You just got to know it. Uh, you know, it's interesting that we have such a hard time being honest with ourselves. And a lot of people don't even know who they really are. So how do they know what to look for in other people? And that's why last week we talked about the qualities and characteristics that, number one, we need in our life. But also we need to be looking for in the life of someone else. So if you missed it last week, I want to encourage you. Go back and listen to the podcast. Go back and watch the YouTube video and get a great foundation for that. Now, we're going to dive into God's Word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through 5, and then verse 7. And I want this to be our theme verse for this morning. I'm going to share some other scriptures. If you have your Bible, you can turn. Otherwise, it will be on the screen uh, with us this morning. It's also in your message notes. Let's dive into verse 3. It says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. Now, sanctified is a biblical word that each and every one of you really need to know uh, as a Christian. Really what sanctified means is to be set apart. Everybody say set apart. So that you should be set apart. And it says that you should avoid sexual immorality. So what is sexual immorality? That's any sexual activity outside the context of a marriage. And look, I know everybody's doing it, but what he's saying is, look, I don't care if everybody's doing it. I don't want you to do it. I want you to be set apart. He says, look, I want that each of you would learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life, to live a holy life. And so what I really want to focus on this morning is really how do we protect our purity? we got to make sure that as Christians, look, we live a holy life. We're called to be set apart. We're not called to be like the world. We're not called to be like they are. And I'm not trying to divide, but we are trying to set a standard that if they don't meet our standard, we don't compromise to make them feel better. We still hold our standard. 
We have to make sure that our lives are pure, that we are holy. Uh, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're young or old, I want you to know purity is not easy. It's not easy to remain pure. It's not easy to be self-controlled. It's not easy to be the way God's called us to be. But thank God the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us and gives us the power to live the life that God wants us to live. But I do want you to know it's not just going to happen accidentally. You know, just wake up one day and say, Woo, I'm pure. Hallelujah. No, you can be saved and still not live a pure and holy life. So, so that's what grieves the Holy Spirit of God that lives on the inside of us. And so we got to say, look, I'm going to make a decision to live the way that God's called me to live. And, and we live in a hyper-sexualized society. I mean, just take a look around. Drive down the road on billboards. You can watch TV. You can watch movies. I mean, everywhere we go, sex is everywhere. And how I many know sex sells? I mean, from the shampoo commercial. It is so funny. My kids and I, we will watch America's Got Talent. Anybody watch America's Got Love It? I cry every time. I'm just telling you, they produce it in a way. I don't know. I'm always tearing up. And, but it's so funny. We mute the commercials. Now, we don't have the thing where you can fast forward it. We have to watch it. We watch it on the app. So we mute the commercials, and we have this little game where we kind of make some funny sounds, and we talk about the, the different uh, things the actor's doing. But just muting the commercials, you realize, oh, my God, she's half-naked in the shower and they're promoting shampoo. My God, where did shampoo get sexy? I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about? You're looking at the burgers. I just want a hamburger. Why she gotta be half naked sitting on a car eating a burger with cheese melting off of it? I mean, it's just, it's every, and, and you don't even realize it because we've been so immersed in it that if you don't keep your guard up, and, and how many, we're trying to keep our kids pure, I'm trying to keep my family pure, trying to keep us pure, and, and you can't just remove yourself out of the world, but we do need to be aware that there is a fight for your purity, that we've got to make this a priority in our life, we've got to make a commitment that God, I'm going to stay pure, and the problem with the media and movies and TVs is that sex is so common, there are no consequences with sex, isn't it amazing? All we see are the sex scenes, but we don't see the negative effects, the negative consequences. We don't see those that have woke up with STDs. We don't see the broken and shattered lives of the people who have been cheated on in marriages and the broken pieces of lives of people that gave themselves freely to that person. You don't see them in counseling for years trying to reconcile the experience that they just have. We just see sex with no consequences. That, oh, it's great, it's fun, it's easy, it's no big deal. But i got to tell you this morning, sex is a big deal. I'm going to say it again. Sex is a big deal, and it's a big deal to God. Like, it's not something for us to just casually do. It's a very deep and very spiritual act that is intended for one man and one woman in the context of marriage. And let me tell you this, sex is fun. And if it's not, you're doing it wrong, baby. I'm just telling you, it's... I'm not going to try to help you on that. There's people that will do that. But I'm just telling you, sex is fun. So let's don't lie to our kids and say, oh, it's no fun. No, baby, it's fun. But it's a whole lot better in the context of marriage. And so, so it may feel good outside of marriage, but it'll never have the satisfaction of what it is when it's experienced in the context of marriage. Sex was intended to be done with a covenant. It consummates the covenant. That we give our lives wholly and completely to each other. It unites a husband and a wife together. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united. Everybody say united. 
So this is the act of, of sexual intercourse where they're united, their souls are connected with his wife and they shall become one flesh. One flesh. Now, do they actually become one person? No, not in the physical. But what happens is your souls connect. We, we, we know it today is what we would call a soul tie. Anybody ever heard of a soul tie? A soul tie is when two people have sex and there is this connection at the deepest level of their soul, their mind, their will, and their emotions. And so when you have a soul tie, it's easy for you to find yourself drifting off throughout the day thinking about that person. And so for me, I'm married to Phyllis. I'll text her and say, hey, baby, I'm just thinking about you. I mean, I'll be doing random things, and I'm just thinking about her. She, she's constantly in my mind. Now, now, if you have the soul tie outside of the context of marriage, you might have broken up with this person. You're not dating them. It may be it's a year, two years later, and you find yourself just in a random situation thinking about that person. And, and when you know you have a soul tie, anytime you've had sex, but of course, when, when they come back around, here's what's interesting. It could have been years since you've seen each other, but the moment you come back together, it's like you pick it up where you left off. It's real easy to get comfortable and real easy to fall back into what you were in before, even if you know that person isn't the right person. So really, it's like this invisible umbilical cord that connects two people together. Look at Matthew chapter 19, verse 6. So they are no longer two, but one. Everybody say one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So that's why God says, look, sex is intended in the context of a marriage because when you have sex, God joins you together. And that's an amazing thing, right? I mean, when you're married, I mean, no, I want to be joined together with my wife. Why? Because when I got Dunlap disease, where my belly Dunlapped over my belt, or maybe my wife has got some cellulite, we don't care. Like, baby, you look hot. Ugh. I mean, she just, to me, she makes me all hot and bothered and flush and I mean, it's an amazing thing because we're connected. And at the deepest level, I'm thinking about her, and I, I, I mean, I'm calling her, and, and it's an amazing thing. But outside of the context of marriage, this is a mess. Why? Because that person has done left you. Maybe you left them. You're not together anymore, but you can't seem to break this whole thing that has you guys joined. And you don't even know why, and that's the challenge. A lot of Christians don't even understand soul ties. And so they find themselves in a relationship with a new guy or girl, and it's the right person they feel like, but they find themselves going back to the old person. Why? Because they are connected and assaulted. I want to show you what this looks like. Alexis, Ethan, why don't you guys come out? I want to illustrate this. I think you're going to get a good picture of this. Give it up for Ethan and Alexis. Beautiful couple. Now, it's a fictional story. They're not actually together, but I am going to use their names to illustrate this point. So you got Ethan and Alexis, um, and they met through some friends at church, been coming to church a couple of years, and Ethan first became a Christian at, at the movies about a year and a half ago. It was amazing. God rocked his world, and he got saved and has been plugged in ever since. And Alexis, she renewed her relationship with God when she came back to Anchor Bend just a couple of years ago. Now, together they have fallen in love, and they've been doing it all the right ways and doing all the right things. They went to next steps. They started serving on the dream team. They gave their life to Christ. And so now they're focusing on this relationship with each other, and they are passionately in love. And they want to do it right. I mean, th this is the perfect 
example of what a courtship ought to look like, right? Right. But there's a problem. And this is a problem that many people have, but don't even realize they have it. Now, Ethan, in high school and in college, he wasn't a Christian. He didn't really value sexual purity, didn't know a whole lot about it. And Ethan had sex with a lot of girls. He uh, just was promiscuous. And so these two girls represent some of the sexual relationships that he had in the past. Then you have Cot, one of the girls he had sex with. Now, Cot, before she started dating Ethan... She really liked this guy named Eli, and so Eli and Cot, they actually had sex. And so we see this tangled web of bondage and connection all to Ethan's life. And then we have Alexis. Now, Alexis was raised in church. She was taught to stay sexually pure and to save herself and wait. But you know what? She met KJ, and her and KJ had this chemistry, and they just really fell, fell in love, and they just said, hey, man, I think this is it. Now, Alexis felt a little bit of pressure, and they thought, well, listen, we're going to get married, so it doesn't really matter. We can just go ahead and have sex right now, and, but it didn't work out, and uh, we see that now. But one thing that Alexis didn't realize is that KJ was addicted to pornography, and before they met, KJ had other sexual relationships, and uh, the web just continues to grow from one relationship to another. And now what you see is that we had this one couple... They got saved. They go to next steps. They're, 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 they're living out their purpose. They're wanting to start this marriage off right. And to the natural eye, everything looks good, except they have some emotional and spiritual baggage. And so here's what we've got to do is we've got to say, look, today we're breaking off every one of these soul ties that have held them back, that have caused really a lot of trouble in this relationship, even though they didn't realize it. And then what we're saying is we're going to live pure lives. We're going to focus on each other as we pursue and focus on God. And it's a fresh start. How many want that in your life today? Give Alexis and Ethan a hand. Thank you, guys. And so really, that's a great picture of the baggage we bring into relationships uh, when we have soul ties. And I, I promise you, there are many of you here sitting here this morning you recognize I've got some of these soul ties. I want you to know this. We're going to deal with it at the end of the service. So just get ready. I believe you're going to never be the same. It's not something that is magical to break it off. What it takes is just the power of prayer. And at the very end of service, we've got all of our prayer partners and ministry team ready. I already prepped them. And they'll be glad to pray for you and to break the soul ties off of your lights so that today, if I say today, you can be a brand new person. Can I get an amen? So I'm excited about that. Now, we've got to make a commitment to God's standard. We're going to start today off fresh. If it's going to be a brand new day, we've got to say, look, today I'm going to make a commitment to God's standard for my life. And God's standard is really found in his word. Look at Psalm 139 verse 9. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to what I think. By living according to what I want. By living according to what society says. No, what does he say? By living according to your word. Whose word? God's word. 
And so we got to say, God, what does your word say about the standard and the way that I should be living my life? And then we have to say, I'm going to live that way. Maybe I wasn't raised that way. Maybe I hadn't always agreed with it. But the truth is, God sets up standards and boundaries, not because he's a mean God, not because he's trying to keep you from having fun, but how many know it's because he wants to protect you? He wants you to have the fullness of what this world can offer with him. And he wants you to be blessed. And so we're going to live countercultural. We've got to make sure that we have his standards in our life. I've learned this. Look, if you don't have standards before you get married, you're not going to have standards after you get married. And so we've got to be honest with ourselves and just say, look, I'm going to choose to become the right person so that when I find the right person, we're going to be ready. Now, look, you, you think, I, 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 you know, I'll wait till I get married. I'll wait until the right person. I'm going to have fun, and it's going to be awesome. I want you to know it's going to be too late. When you find the right person, you won't be the right person. And it doesn't happen like that. Look, marriage doesn't change you. Marriage only amplifies the way it finds you. So you think, look, I'm going to be the right person and when I get married. No, no, no. It, it doesn't change you when you're married. It amplifies all the flaws, all the negative characteristics that you have. It just amplifies it. That's how come divorce rate is so high. Why? Because people thought marriage would fix me. Marriage would clean me up. And the truth is you've got to allow God to fix you. You've got to get cleaned up before marriage. And then two whole people get married to make one whole person. Yeah, I heard a story from Andy Stanley about a girl uh, who grew up in a religious environment. And as a teenager, she went to church. She loved God, but she didn't serve God. And uh, then she went off to college, and in her college experience, she, she slept around with guys. She did the whole dating and clubbing scene. And a couple of years after being in college, she went out to a social event, and she met this guy, and she realized this was the man of her dreams. Like this guy was the total package, the one she had been looking for her entire life. He was handsome, good looking, he had swag. I mean, this was the man. And they began to talk and he said, yeah, I'm a Christian. And he said, you know, I'm looking for a girl that has morals and values and loves the same things that I love. Well, she remembered back in the day when she went to church and how much she used to love God and she got all excited. They began to talk and a couple of days later, she goes back home to her mom, and her mom and her were just spending some time together cleaning, and she starts to tell her mom, Mom, you will never believe I think I met the man of my dreams. I think I met the man I'm supposed to marry. He's a Christian. He loves God. He's got morals and standards. And her mom just stopped her right in the mid-sentence and looked her dead in the eye and said, Oh, honey, a guy like that's not looking for a girl like you. That girl just fell apart. And the way Andy Stanley says, from that moment on, she made a decision that I realized I've got to become the person I want to marry. You can't wait till you meet them. It's too late. And so for each of us, we've got to make sure that our life is the way it needs to be right now. Look, the best indicator of where someone's going or headed is to look at where they've been. Preparation is hard work. I mean, it takes a lot of effort. This is what you got to know. You cannot promise your way past preparation. I mean, have you ever met someone that's like they've been living like the devil? They meet you and they're like, look, I'm going to change. I promise. I'm never going to be saved. Like, like, it's all over from this day on. It changes. But you got to know this. Your past trumps your promises. You got to know that that promise is worthless if there's no past to back up the way their life has now been changed. 
And if you want to be ready for marriage, you got to prove that you're ready for marriage. And so what do we got to do to prepare ourselves? Number one, we got to just prepare, uh, we got to make sure that we protect our purity. Everybody say protect your purity. It's an assignment for single people and for married people like, look, ladies, don't dress like a commodity. Don't dress like a commodity. Don't allow guys to treat you like one either because they will if you allow them to. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, flee, everybody say flee, from sexual immorality. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Look, a fisherman baits his hook based on the type of fish he wants to catch. Ladies, if you fish with your body... How many know you're going to catch body snatchers? I like that one. And if you catch a man with your body, how many know you got to keep a man with your body? And how many know time and gravity happen to us all? It's called the law of gravity. I mean, I get it. Maybe you say, look, all men are alike. What you're really saying is all the men you date are alike. And so think about the last five men that you dated. I mean, it was just you and him and you and him and you and him and you and him and you and him. The only common denominator is you. So really, is it all the men that you dated or is it the bait that you're using to get the men that you think you want? And so look, if we're going to stay pure, ladies, don't use your bodies to catch men and wonder why there's a problem. Honor God with your body. Don't try to catch men. Second thing is, look, men, we got to deal with lust. Married or single men, doesn't really matter. And, and what we know is that lust is a strong sexual desire. And it's based on physical attraction. It's based on chemistry. It's really based on fantasy. And what we've got to know this morning is that God, and understand this, God created strong sexual desires in each of us. That's natural. That's normal. That's why I say we got to deal with it. You're not praying, God, take it all away. No, baby, when you get married, trust me, you want strong sexual desire. Come on, somebody. All my married people, can I say it? Amen. All right, let me get my men, all the men, can I say, amen, yeah, pastor. Like, strong sexual, you don't want to pray away strong sexual desire. Like, my God, that's fun. You waited all this time. Like, we married now, baby. Woo, let's swing from the rafters. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right? Why are you coughing? <clears throat> don't pray it away. Pray that you know how to deal with it. Pray that you know how to handle it. Pray that you can have it under control and that God will give you the grace to not fall into temptation. Look, it's, it's an amazing thing to be attracted to your spouse. I find it so exhilarating and it's, you know, my parents and everybody used to always say it, the older people that I was mentored by, look, I've, they've fallen more in love with their spouse today when they first got married. I find that to be true with Phyllis. I think I think about her more now than I ever did. I'm more in love with her now than I ever have been. Sex is better now than it ever has been. Come on, somebody. I mean, but that's the way God intended it. Like, that's the beauty of the marriage bed. And, and you know, what I want is I want my kids to say, man, I want a marriage just like my mom and dad. And it's funny because Phyllis and I kind of gross our kids out. We kiss all the time. We touch all the time. They're like, ooh, ooh. But you know on the inside they're thinking, wow, that's awesome. My mom and dad are in love. Wow, that's awesome. I really want that. 
You know, and I think for us, we've just got to make sure that we handle lust in the proper context. That, that strong sexual desire, we hold off on it until we find the person and we get married to the person God's called us to be married to. So, look, how do we even deal with lust? The first thing is, look, you've got to watch what you're watching you can't just watch anything that comes on television. You can't just go to any of the movies. Listen, ladies, you can't watch Magic Mike. I just, just I mean, I didn't watch it all. I wish the second one. I mean, you can't watch Fifty Shades of Grey. You know you didn't watch it in the theater, but how many of you went to the Red Box and watched it? I know. You're smart enough to not go in the theater. You didn't want to see nobody else. Uh, what you doing here? Oh, I'm just praying. Just. You don't tell, I won't tell. <laughs> right? But, you, I mean, but the truth is this. And they're right. I mean, you, you can't go watch. Don't be passing that off to your friends. Like, why? Because that puts something inside of you that's not real. It's fake. It's, I mean, that's not the, the way God intended it. And then what happens is you get into a real relationship with a normal person, and it doesn't satisfy you. Why? Because you got so enveloped in lust and sexual fantasy with something that's not real. And so you just, you, you got to make sure, listen, guys, you can't look at pornography. And, and I know you got quiet on me. But here's the reality. Did you know a lot of guys don't even think anything's wrong with it? But guys, what's the problem is you, you are lusting after something that doesn't belong to you. And so this sexual desire is being awakened inside of, do you know, 47% of Christians say that pornography is a big problem in their home. That's almost 50%. A people that would be in this room would say pornography is a big problem in my home. Look at Job chapter 31 verse 1. It says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. Don't undress her with your eyes. Don't look at naked girls. Don't go looking at porn. And look, women, it's not just men. A recent study showed that 66% of women looked at porn recently as well. It's not just a man problem. But the truth is, if you look at that, you're going to have problems that you're going to be bringing into the relationship that you're setting yourself up for. Or if you're married, you already have problems because you've allowed something into the marriage bed that was never intended to share the marriage bed with your spouse. And this is why I'd say people say, well, I'm not addicted to pornography. So here's, here's the test. Then quit watching it. I'm not addicted. Okay, quit watching it. Well, I don't, I, I don't even think it's wrong. No, what you're telling me is that you know it's wrong, but you're going to say it's not because you can't break free from the chain that has you bound. Because if you're not addicted, just stop. And this is what I know. It's okay if you're addicted. I know a God that will set you free. He loves you unconditionally. He already knows the addiction that you have. So why not just get real and honest and say, God, I'm struggling. I need you to help set me free. Get involved in a men's small group. Get involved in a women's small group. Go to the freedom small group in the fall and ask God to bring freedom to you in, that, in your life. Look, if you're married, you've got to break that. If you're single, you think, well, when I get married, it solves everything. Let me just tell you, when you're married, your spouse is going to say no at times when you're ready to go. And if you hadn't broken this off, you're going to say, well, that's okay. I'll run to this. 
Oh, I don't have to work. Look, this is what I love. And I told the fellowship this, which is the group that I mentor. You know, they, they were talking about relationships. I said, you know, when you break pornography off of your life, the beautiful thing is when you're married, you're going to work it out, baby. Why? Because I desire my wife. And she's like, oh, hold up, baby. Let's talk. Let's work this thing out. But when you've got this mistress called pornography, I ain't got to work it out with my spouse. I'll go over to the porn. We'll get this cheap sex that doesn't take relationship, doesn't take conversation. I ain't got to work it out. She'll do whatever, whenever, however. But when I'm committed to her and the porn is gone, it's the cycle God created. Why? Because that sexual desire is strong in me. And I'm married and I'm like, hey, baby, I'm ready. And she's like, oh, baby, I'm ready to talk. Let's talk and then we can deal with the other. And that's a beautiful cycle of marriage when there's nothing standing in the way of that covenant. So we've got to break that off of our lives. And look, if you're addicted, I just, again, want you to hear, it's okay but you don't need to stay that way. So we'll pray with you, get you in a small group, and God will set you free. The third thing to stay pure is this. we got to choose to not get physical before our marriage. So look, before you get married, don't get physical. I mean, I, I, you can kiss, and I'm not going to tell you the sin line. I'm not the Holy Spirit. Well, what's the sin? No, that's between you and God. He does a whole lot better than me. But I will tell you this is his standard, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual, sexual immorality. Not even a hint. So you have to say, God, where's the hint of sexual immorality? Remember, sexual immorality is any kind of sexual activity outside of the context of marriage. And so I would encourage you to postpone your relationship that's physical for as long as possible. Say, wait, we're going to wait till we get married. And look, if, if, if you're dating someone right now, and maybe you've already begun to be sexual in your intimacy. Or maybe if you really equate dating with sex, like everybody I date, we're just going to have sex. Why? Because that's the way I've always done it. I want to encourage you this. I would actually propose this to you. Maybe you can take a year off from dating anybody. Maybe you just say, look, I, I'm going to take this year. And, and I've been sexually active, I'm in this relationship now, or I find myself always being sexually active when I'm in a relationship, and right now I'm just going to date Jesus. And I know that sounds very spiritual, but, but what's the point? The point is this, this means I'm going to spend a year praying every day, I'm going to worship in the morning, I'm going to get involved with a small group, I'm, I may even go to the Leadership Academy, which is a one-year program that we have to raise up leaders, and you say, well, i got to stay busy, good, that'll help you stay busy on Tuesday nights, maybe you can get into the fellowship, and it's a group that I mentor, and you, you find yourself just getting into all these activities and events that help you grow spiritually and for one year say I'm not going to date someone of the opposite sex why because God I need you to cleanse my heart I need you to renew my mind I need you to transform me so that the old pattern doesn't play a part into my new marriage and I know it's hard and, and what I would do is I do this I mean today is July 15th just say next year July 15th 2019, I will start dating someone or I could have the possibility of dating someone and you just make the commitment. Now, I do want to warn you this. If you make the commitment, Mr. Wright will probably show up in three months <clears throat> or what looks like Mr. Wright. Come on, somebody. I mean, you just got to know that as soon as you make the commitment, the enemy, maybe he is a good guy, but you got to say, no, God, I made a commitment. Don't say, oh, praise God. He accelerated the vision. 
I must have got a good dose of God because he's blessed me. No, no, baby, that's the, that's the devil. Just, just chill out. It's the devil. Yeah, yeah. Just say, no, no, no. Not today, devil. You know what I mean? So, so this is what I know. If he is the right guy, he can wait to July 15th, 2019. Oh, hey, do we got to wait? You got to wait. Why? Because you're renewing your mind. This is what I know. If you don't do it now, it will cause problems in your marriage. Like eventually you've got to deal with the stuff you've allowed yourself to get entangled with. You've got to change your mind. You've got to transform your mind. And so I just, I encourage you, if, if, if that speaks to you, maybe you could do that as you prepare to get married. Then the last thing this morning is if we protect our purity, we've got to maintain proper relationships. We've got to maintain proper relationships. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 says marriage should be honored by all. So that means whether you're single, whether you're married, it doesn't matter. We understand the covenant of marriage and God's process, so we've got to honor his process. And then it says, in the marriage bed, kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer, those that step outside of their marriage, and the sexually immoral, those that have relational, sexual relationships outside the context of marriage. And so God says, look, I'm going to judge you. Why? Because that's not my standard. I need you to honor this covenant of marriage. And I need you to live your life in such a way that you would honor me uh, as your Lord and as your Savior. So this is what I would tell you. Don't allow your heart to grow close to anybody of the opposite sex. Let me say it again. Don't allow your heart to grow close to anyone of the opposite sex unless they're your spouse or you are courting them to marriage. And you are like, we are getting married, we are engaged. Okay, open up your heart, not too much. Keep your boundaries up, keep your physical boundaries up. But in marriage, what we've got to do is we've got to make sure, look, if you're not my spouse, we're not connecting. Look, I ain't having long time. I, I used to be, I felt like I used to be as a young person, pretty cool with girls like my sister was a girl and so I was really close to her and and so I'd open the door and I'd be real nice and say sweet things and probably a little flirtatious uh, with girls but now I find myself just awkward like I'm just I'm just awkward I'm like hello you know, and I'm just I told Phyllis when did I become that awkward old man right I mean you just and, and I think it's a good thing I don't want to be too comfortable with anybody who's not Phyllis like, and, and if you find yourself just smooth talking and just, you're all, oh, I mean, you got, you got to be real careful. Why? Because then you're going to have a bad day in your marriage and someone's going to be a listening ear and that listening ear becomes an open heart. And you got to say, no, 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 no. I got to have right relational boundaries and you're not my spouse. If I got a problem, I'm never going to talk to a girl about my problems with Phyllis. I'm going to talk to a brother. I'm going to talk to one of my dear friends. I'm, I'm going to go talk to her, somebody. That's a revelation. Just why don't I try to work it out with the person I got a problem with? And so we got to make sure that we have these relational boundaries and we maintain proper relationships. Look, if you're single, just, just date Jesus. Like, don't go and have all these long conversations with someone of the opposite sex. Because what will happen is, you know, if you start window shopping, whether you're single or you're married, you're going to make a purchase eventually that you can't afford. You know what I'm talking about. You go, look, I'm just going to go look. I don't know about you. I'm not good at just looking at anything. 
I hate window shopping because I always end up spending way too much money and buy things that I regret. I think relationships are a lot like that. Well, I just, I'm just going to go look around at what's around. I'm, I'm going to go mingle at the hub, which is cool. If you're ready, go mingle at the hub. We're going to do the match.com. It's awesome. But if you're not, don't go window shopping. Then Matthew 5, 28 says, But I tell you that anyone who looks lustfully at a woman has already committed adultery. Why would I say that? Because, look, as men, you shouldn't be looking at whatever passes by. It, you, you need to bounce your eyes. Why? Because they're not for sale and they're not yours. You make sure that you're committed to what you are committed to and keep your heart and your life pure. Choose to stay pure. Can I get an amen? amen. We've got to fight for our marriages. We've got to make sure that we're working hard for the relationship that God has given to us. You know, I, I think often about affairs. It's very interesting. You know, marriage is hard work, and we're getting ready to close, but you know, how many know marriage is hard work? Young people, I want you to know marriage is hard work. But I also want you to know this, that it's very worth it. And it's always interesting to me is that when someone has an affair, they work hard for that affair. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. All the sneaking around, all the deleting texts, all the rendezvous in places where nobody, I mean, it's hard work. It's like, it's like you, like some secret spy, just covering tracks and moving to different locations. And it, it blows my mind when I hear stories. I've counseled couples this year, several couples, and it's, it's very, you know, that's why we're doing this whole relationship series. It's really birthed out of the survey and the Marriage, but it always baffles me how hard they work to have an affair and how much less work they put into their marriage. I mean, think about if you just worked that hard on your marriage, what God could do. I mean, think about if you went through all the effort of instead of these secret texts to some mistress, what if you started sending these positive texts to your wife? Oh, baby, I'm just thinking about you. Parentheses, non sexually. I know it's hard, but just put that in there and just say, you just, you just ran across my mind. You must be hurting. Why? Because you fell from heaven. Mm, just today. Just, you know, and, and just, what, what if you took her the flowers? I mean, what if you just had a date at a hotel? Look, you're married. Why not? Hey, look, I'll meet you. I mean, just kidding. I'll meet you when? Right after work? After work? At home? No, 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 baby. We're going to meet at the hotel. Why? Why not? I mean, find some ways to be romance. Why, why don't you turn on some music? Come on, somebody. Get your playlist out. Get your cassette out and drop, drop it in the Walkman or the boombox. You know what I'm talking I mean, my point is this. It takes work, but what if you decided to do it? What would God do in your relationship? What would God do in your marriage? What would God do in your life and in your children's life? Because they see mom and dad who love each other and are willing to fight for the marriage that they committed to in their life. This is what I say, look, today, you got to get a vision for your life. Whether you're single or you're married, you got to say, God, I'm going to grab a hold of your vision. Whether you, if you're single, it's like, God, I'm going to live pure. I'm going to date you for a year. I'm going to not allow myself to get connected with someone of the opposite sex until it is time. If you're married, you say, I'm going to have eyes for no one but my wife, my husband. We're going to be connected and not, not only married for 40, 50, 60 years, but we're going to be happily married. I mean, you just get a vision for your life. You, and, and, and this is what I would say. If, if for some reason your marriage or your life is not where you want it to be, why not let today be the new reset day? 
That today is going to be the reset. Today I'm going to make the shift. Today I'm going to make the commitment. Today is a brand new day in my life. And, and the last thing that I would want you to feel this morning is shame and guilt and condemnation. <clears throat> That's not the goal. I want you to feel like there's hope. Some of you are sitting here and you've got the soul ties. My, my desire is that you would feel the, the, the hope of those soul ties broken, that your life is brand new. And we're going to give you that opportunity in just a minute here at the front. But to really see yourself in a new light, I believe there are people here that have had an affair. And I want you to know this. You're in the right place. You're welcome here. God loves you. God forgives you. Your best days are yet to come. Your marriage can be better than it ever has been. The devil is a liar, and God is here to bring hope and healing and restoration. And you can help people not make the mistakes that you've made in your life. But the enemy wants you to think that your life is over, that there's nothing left. And we know that he is a liar. Some of you are here this morning, you're dealing with lust, you're dealing with pornography. I want you to know that could be broken off of your life today. But you've got to choose. You've got to make the decision. You've got to make the choice. You've got to say, God, I choose to follow your path. I choose to walk in your victory. I choose to walk in your grace. I, I, I want to speak Philippians 1, 6 over you this morning. It says, and I am sure of this, that he, who is he? God who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That God began the good work and he's not done yet. The best days of your life are yet to come. That God is in this place and today is a brand new beginning. I wonder this morning, can we stand on our feet? We're gonna close just a little bit differently this morning. You know, I don't want you going anywhere. I want us to just open up our hearts and in a minute I'm going to have our ministry team come down and I really am expecting God to do some powerful things in this moment. I've, I've been praying for this. And I really think there are a lot of you that have been stuck. And so what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to just run out quickly and just let this message fall, you know, and just be another good message. I want us just to really just re reflect and say, God, where in my life? And look, there's probably many of you, you're awesome, everything's great. That's amazing. What I have found is we just got to make sure we stay focused. And that's great. It's awesome. We need to help people through it. But I recognize that there's a lot of people this is not the case, that there's a lot of struggles. And, you know, we're a hospital for the hurting. We're not some looking glass that people see that, oh, they're perfect. No, 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 no. No, no, we're a hospital. Everybody's checked in. I'm checked in. You're checked in. We're all checked in. We, we stay in the hospital till we cross over into eternity. Then we have a perfected body and we're made perfect in Christ. And so this morning I recognize there's really three responses. Number one, you could be a little defensive. You could say, well, you know, I don't know that anything's wrong. You hadn't convinced me and that's okay. Look. You don't have to believe to belong. I've done my job. I'm just going to share the truth of God's word. and I'm not the Holy Spirit, so I don't try to condemn. I mean, anybody been to this church, you know, you try to tattle on somebody. I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and listen to it. No, no, we, do, we don't do that here. It's like, God, you speak. I mean, no, God, when he speaks to us, it's way better than when people judge us. 
And so that's okay if, if you're not in that place. I also realize this, that there's a response of remorse. Now, remorse is very interesting because it looks a lot like repentance. But what remorse does is remorse says, look, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to change. Like, I, I, I feel a little bit conviction, Pastor, and you know, you showed the illustration, but honestly, sex is too good, and I'm dating this girl, she's really hot, and I'm not going to change. So you walk out of here, and you're just a little bit remorseful. And that's okay, too, because I, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I can't make you have the right response. But then there is repentance. Now, repentance is different because it's, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for the past, and some of you didn't know any better. Some of you, you, you didn't raise, you were raised in church, so you don't even know God's standards. I mean, many of you, in fact, almost 1,600 people have given their life to Jesus Christ in this church over the last five and a half years. And so I recognize many of you, you, you don't even know God's standards, so you heard this morning, and you say, oh, I'm pierced to the heart. Like, I, I see God's standard, and, and I'm sorry, but not only am I sorry, but I'm going to change my ways. That means I was going down this path, but today I'm going to go down a new path, God's path, and this is where I'm going to choose to live. Now, I may make a mistake, but I'm not going to stay there. Like, like nobody's perfect, so you just, that's why you got to get in a small group. That's why you got to have accountability, because when you start acting like an idiot, somebody can slap you around and say, hey, you're acting like an idiot. Turn back around. Let's go back to God, right? I mean, anybody needs slapped? I need slapped every once in a while. And so, and that's okay. But the response is repentance, which says, God, I'm turning away from that. And I'm turning to you, which is this. And this morning, I want us to, can we just sing a song, Vanessa? Like in a, and just in this response, just. doing a deep work in the lives of your people. And God, I pray that you would just continue that work. Lord, I just sense it. I sense chains falling, breaking off. And God, I'm asking you just move in their heart. Now, before we go on, and I'm going to open up the altar, I'm going to dismiss. So if you want to leave, you can leave. But if you want to come down, you can come down. But before I do that, and before we break off these soul ties, what you have to realize is that God has to have the ownership of your life first. And so before we move further, what we have to do is say, for some of you in this place, you've never fully surrendered your life to God. 
You've never said, God, I give you everything. God, I surrender it all to you. In fact, I'm going to serve you and love you. And I want you to be first place in my life. And so before we go into that, we need to make that decision for some of us here today. With heads bowed, just close your eyes. I wonder if that's you this morning. And and you realize, God, I've never put you in first place. I've never asked you to take control of my life and surrender my heart to you. This is your moment. What I'm going to do is I'm going to lead us into prayer. And I believe in this moment, God is going to radically save you. And the foundation will be set for the rest of the service. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if that's you this morning. And you say, I'm ready to surrender my life to him. Give him everything. I wonder if you'd just be bold enough just to raise your hand in an act of surrender and say, right now, God, I give you everything. I'm, I'm gonna surrendering it all to you. Come on, church, tell them how proud you are. People all over this place, it's, it's an act of surrender. Now, now, what I want to do is I want to lead us in a prayer. Say, Jesus, I need you. I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I give you everything. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking the price of my sin. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for a clean start. Right now, I receive it. I give you my life. I give you my hopes. I give you my dreams. I give everything to you. Right now, Jesus, I am yours. 